Hey, Tess, it's Andrew. Hey, Andrew. What's up? How are you doing? Good, how are you? I'm good. I'm recording right now. Is that okay? Yep, that's fine. Cool. So, what would uh, you do if I said no? <laughs> I don't know. I would stop <laughs> recording for legal reasons, I guess. I don't know. Anyways, but it's fine. Um, so I'm in the middle of editing our next episode, but I figured this might be a good opportunity to uh, release the long-awaited conversation between you and your dad. I guess I was thinking about how to frame this, and um, I guess I want to... Well, first of all, I want to say that I really enjoyed the conversation. It, your dad uh, has such a fun way of telling these stories. Mm-hmm. I guess my question for you is that, like, when you were talking to us, you were talking about how, in terms of your Mexican American heritage, it wasn't something that was really emphasized when you were growing up. Mm-hmm. So you knew that you were named after your—is it your great grandmother? Yeah, my middle name is my great grandmother's name. Okay, but did you grow up knowing these stories about her? Yeah, I knew a lot of these stories when I was little, and you know, my dad would be putting me to bed and tucking me in. Um, he would tell me stories, and these were the stories he would say. So, like, while most kids got, you know, fairy tales about princesses and, you know, the the knight in shining armor or whatever little kids are told, my dad would tell me stories about our family um, and about, like, him growing up as a child because he has, like, a wild childhood, too, mm-hmm. um, or about my grandmother or um, our family just generally. Um, and so while... I always grew up knowing that I was Mexican-American, and I think now I'm realizing I had a lot more markers than I realized, but they just yeah. seemed normal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, But yeah, so I grew up hearing these stories, and so I recently decided to just start writing them down. That's really cool. That's that's actually really interesting. So, I mean, you see, in, in some way you grew up with these stories, but now that you're kind of relearning or exploring how deep these roots go i i imagine that they have like a different resonance for you yeah they definitely hold a stronger meaning in some ways and again just by writing them down and sharing them with my other family members or other friends and i've talked to other people who have especially you know mixed ethnic backgrounds or maybe don't feel as connected to their ethnic background even if it's not mixed mm-hmm. um that just exploring these family these like family stories are very therapeutic for other people who read them, but also, I mean, mostly it's for me. Um, yeah. It's very therapeutic to, to, you know, typically what happens is my dad will tell me the story, he'll record it for me, and then I write it out um, kind of from my perspective and provide some of more of the bigger meaning, but also try to piece a little bit together more of my family history and connection and what that means. Yeah. Well, what, I mean, what, what, is, what do you think that means? Is there anything that you've learned about yourself from talking to your dad about your family? I think I've been really struck by how connected I feel to my family, even though like the, the, my great grandmother I'm named after, I've, I never met her. She passed away before I was alive, I was born. And, um, a lot of these family members that even the ones who are alive are, you know, more in Texas or El Paso or Southern California. And so I, I don't have the same relationship with them. Mm-hmm. And yet when I hear these stories, I know them and I know so much more about them and who I am. I see myself in them. And especially as someone who is or feels very mixed ethnically and, you know, um, growing up in a, you know, with a Mexican American dad and a white mom, I've realized just how much that that's also my family story, that there's so much 
mixedness throughout Mexican American culture um, that, you know, my, my little pity party, my woe is me party about being a mixed person. Um, I, through these stories, I almost feel my like ancestors shaking me being like, you think you're the only one who's dealt with this cross-cultural misunderstanding about uh, being indigenous to, to Texas, but then having Spaniard parents or, uh, you know, mestizo parents or mm-hmm. whatever the mixed identity was. That the more I look at these stories, the more I realize that my family is just like me. And so I yeah. learned a lot from that too. All right. Thanks a lot, Tess. I think this is going to be great. No problem. All right. I'll catch you <laughs> talk later. Talk to you later, Andrew. Bye. Bye. Dwells here. And then we moving by the pack, so we moving them. And even if you don't, then you do, cause you cool with them. They be like, I only went to school with them. Um, so I'm gonna let my dad introduce himself. Hi, how you doing? This, um, my name is Manuel Patino. Um, identify as Mexican American or just typical American. Um, I'm originally from El Paso, Texas. I grew up in El Paso and between there and Los Angeles. Joined the military, spent 10 years, ended up in the Washington, D.C. area. And to this day, I'm still here. So uh, part of this project was, again, it's called My Grandmother's Name. And I, you know, I know that I'm named after... My middle name is named after my great-grandmother, so I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit more about her. Yeah, well, let me see. Let's start with uh, her name was Andrea, Andrea Rocha. And she was, well, she was my abuelita, my grandmother. And I just figured that she was just a short little Mexican lady. And, and so I just, you know, just wanted to give... Uh, her, no, my daughter, her name, just to keep on, you know, passing the name, name through. Yeah, and I, I, uh, it's spelled the same way as some people say Andrea, and nothing against all the Andreas, but I really appreciate that it's Andrea, not Andrea. So I just like that distinction that I, uh, I have that pronunciation as well, the same as hers. Yeah, it's Andrea. <laughs> I don't know if I can say it that spicy, but. <laughs> Um, well, could you tell me just a little bit more about her? I never got to meet her since, again, she's my great-grandmother, um, but I know you grew up with her, so just tell me more about her. So, what do you want to know? Some of the stories, or... I mean, why did you name me after her? Well, she was always a, a, a real nice little lady, kind lady. Uh, anytime you go over, we'll go over when we were kids. She really never had a lot of money. She, you know, we were considered poor. She was poor, and so what we did, she always will offer you something. Uh, 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 I call it some uh, apple, orange. She said, mijo, mijo. He said, here, here's here's an apple, whatever, you know, whatever. Sometimes she had a little tortilla with a little water down beans with, you know, then that's it. You know, or just a tortilla with butter. And I said, oh, Grandma, no, it's fine, fine. No, 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 please, mijo. I says, oh, that's all I have. I said, no, that's okay, I'm not hungry. But no, she was determined. She she just wanted to, you know, give you something. 
is because that's all she had, and that she felt like that was uh, something that she could pass on to us. Mm-hmm. So she had a really good heart, and I always loved the lady to this day. Yeah, speaking about food, I know around the holidays, especially like Christmas, New Year's, you know, we typically make tamales, and I'm assuming that, you know, Grandma Andrea also would make tamales. Could you tell us more about, like, how you make tamales? And then I know there's some some fun stories with her in making tamales. All right, let me see. I'm going to kind of give you a brief, uh, um, you know, thing about how tamales are made. Uh, So tamales could take a day or two to prepare. Because so, you have, there's like the husk, uh, the husk, uh, corn husk, you end up soaking them for a couple hours or even half a day to soften them up. And, you know, and the thing is that when you make tamales, you don't make five or ten. You can make 100, 200, 300 tamales. So it's something that's only really a, kind of became a tradition in, in um, Christmas, New Year's, kind of the holidays. So when we went over grandmother's, she she was making tamales. She would, uh, oh, uh, well, you know, there was more to, before I go into that. There was uh, there's more to the, to making the tamales. You have to make the meat. You have to make the dough or the masa, and it's it's a long process to to making tamales. So when she used to make them, she was the one that made them. So what she would do is prepare everything, you know, set up everything, and make them. And the thing is, the funny part, I don't know if you consider a superstition or what. She would get it. She would get all the tamales, get ready to prepare, but she makes sure she went to the bathroom. She got her, her novelas. Uh, she got everything set up, everything she had to do. And then she would sit in the kitchen, in the, in the kitchen to cook. And because she made sure that that th- she had to sit there and ask one time, why do you uh, just sit here in the kitchen? Come on, let's go over here. No, 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 I got to sit because the, you never know that tamales can make it lonely. If they get lonely, they might turn out bad. It says, and you're like, okay, that's kind of superstition. But the way you, if you think about it, do you really want to take that chance? It takes you two days to make all these tamales. And and they end up something bad with them? No. So the best thing is you sit there. If even if you gotta go go to the bathroom or whatever, you know, you wait for four to six hours until they're done. So that was one of the things that she always did. Yeah, and that's something we still do. Is that when you're making tamales, when they're cooking in the steamer, someone always has to be in the kitchen because you if they get lonely and they're sad, they might not taste as good. And again, we don't want to take that chance just in case can't let them get lonely so I thought that was a fun story um some people know this but I have a a sugar skull tattoo on my leg and when I got this tattoo done I specifically wanted it to be missing teeth um because grandma Andrea was missing some teeth as well uh could you tell us about maybe potentially why or how grandma Andrea um came to have some missing teeth (laughs) Ooh, this is a good story well, one day I went to visit her, and I walked in. I said, "Hi, Grandma." You know, I says, uh, "You know, I call her Grandma Willita." Hi, Willita. And then she said, "She was like, oh, she could barely hear." I said. And then I looked around. I looked at the table, and I saw like there was a bottle of tequila, you know, cotton balls, and then it's like 
like some other stuff with blood and everything. And then I saw a tooth and a molar. And th the thing is, look at this lady was like 79, 80 years old. Okay. So she was not a spring chicken. She was, you know, pretty, you know, up, up in age. So what, what happened? I said, grandma, what are you doing? And she says, oh, no, no. This is my teeth. My molars were hurting so bad. So I said, what did you do? I said, well, I take a couple of shots of tequila to numb the pain. And then she, she ended up pulling her teeth, pulled, well, I think one or two teeth, and then a molar. And then she just get tequila and put it in the cotton balls and stick them back up in the, in the sockets of the, where the teeth were. I'm like, oh my God. It's, I can't believe. It says, it says, I would never do that. But no, she was a tough old lady. You know, for that age, she would pull her own teeth. And I said, why don't you go to the dentist? And the first thing she said, no, nah, I'm not going to the dentist. They don't know what they're doing. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so that's pretty much the story on her. Yeah, so you don't really need a dentist. You just need some tequila and pliers and some cotton balls. You're good to go. Apparently, there you go. If you're, I don't know if I'm tough enough for that, but... Tequila. That's all you need. <laughs> well, thanks, Dad, for telling me a little bit more about Grandma Andrea. Again, there's more stories like this where my dad um, tells me some stories, and I write them down kind of on this little personal project on my grandmother's name. And you can follow our podcast, uh, the Color Correction Podcast, on Instagram at, at Color Correction Podcast. Um, interacting with our stuff helps more people hear us. So go ahead and do that. Um, and until next time.